Welcome to Discovery Church's Sunday Service Podcast. Thanks for being with us. This is the second in a series on the book of Hosea. The second message is called Hope for the Hopeless. It's the story of God and his people played out in a dramatic form between Hosea and his wife, Gomer, who is unfaithful to him. But in the midst of all of this, we find out that God loves us so much that he constantly seeks after us. He's a jealous God. He wouldn't want you to share his glory with anyone else, but he is a loving God, and he's constantly seeking out after you. I hope that this comforts you in your experiences with God, when you know maybe that you're far from him or that you've wandered off, that he is there in the midst of everything to restore you to a relationship with him. I hope you enjoy this look at the book of Hosea. Uh, just as a uh, word to parents who are listening today, um, I just wanted to let you know that if, uh, well, all the little ones are out of the room here now, uh, but if you have little ones watching online, today's message is probably maybe rated PG. Uh, the scripture is uh, filled today with some references that might be better if some of the little ones aren't around. So what I would like to recommend is that you send your kid off with a device and you uh, put on the so-and-so show from the DC Kids page and uh, we'll get on with the rest of the message. All right, how about that for a warning for a sermon? Well, we're continuing on this series in the book of Hosea, and uh, I just wanted to uh, let you know that uh, this is a metaphor. It's a play, a kind of like a drama that's played out in front of the people of Israel, and so I want you to remember this as we tell the story. Uh, Hosea is playing the role of God, and his wife, Gomer, uh, is playing the role of Israel. Now, last Sunday, what happened was we heard that Gomer was, uh, she, it's a horrible name, but that was a name, you know, I mean, nobody calls her kid Gomer. Uh, uh, but anyway, uh, she was, yeah, um, her eye wandered, so to speak. And uh, she was, uh, had a child with Hosea, but then the next two children that she had were not his. And eventually she leaves and goes off with the other men in her life and she lives that kind of lifestyle. Now you can imagine what that is. So I'm gonna uh, turn it over to Marie and we have a, uh, a cameo appearance by Chantel Westerman uh, who's also gonna be reading today. Some of you know her, some of you don't. And so we're gonna turn it over to them to read the scripture passage today. Hosea 2. Charges against an unfaithful wife. But now bring charges against Israel, your mother, for she is no longer my wife, and I am no longer her husband. Tell her to remove the prostitute's makeup from her face and the clothing that exposed her breasts. Otherwise, I will strip her as naked as she was on the day she was born. I will leave her to die of thirst as in a dry and barren wilderness, and I will not love her children, for they were conceived in prostitution. Their mother is a shameless prostitute and became pregnant in a shameful way. 
She said, I'll run after other lovers and sell myself to them for food and water, for clothing of wool and linen, and for oil, olive oil and drapes. For this reason, I will fence her with thorn bushes. I will block her path with a wall to make her lose her way. When she runs after her lovers, she won't be able to catch them. She will search for them, but she will not find them. Then she will think, well... I may as well return to my husband, for I was better off with him than I am now. She doesn't even realize it. It was I who gave her everything she has, the grain, the new wine, the olive oil. I even gave her silver and gold, but she gave all my gifts to Baal. But now I will take back the ripened grain and new wine. I generously provided each harvest season. I will take away the wool and linen clothing. I gave her to cover her nakedness. I will strip her naked in public while all her lovers look on. No one will be able to rescue her from my hands. I will put an end to her annual festivals and her new moon celebrations and her Sabbath days and her appointed festivals. I will destroy her grapevines and fig trees, things she claims her lovers gave her. I will let them grow into tangled thickets where only wild animals will eat the fruit. I will punish her for all those times when she burned incense to her images of Baal, when she put on her earrings and jewels and went out to look for her lovers, but forgot all about me, says the Lord. But then I will win her back once again. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her there. I will, I will return her vineyards to her and transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. She will give herself to me there as she did long ago when she was young, when I freed her from her captivity in Egypt. When that day comes, says the Lord, you will call me husband instead of master. O Israel, I will wipe the many names of Baal from your lips and you will never mention them again. On that day, I will make a covenant and with all the wild animals and the birds of the sky and the animals that scurry along the ground so they will not harm you. I will remove all weapons of war from the land and swords and bows so you can live unafraid in peace and safety. I will make you my wife forever, showing your righteousness and justice, unfailing love and compassion. I will be faithful to you and make you mine, and you will finally know me as the Lord. In that day, I will answer, says the Lord. I will answer the skies as pleads for the clouds, and the sky will answer the earth with rain. Then the earth will answer the thirsty cries of the grain, the grapevines, and the olive trees, and they in turn will answer, Jezreel, God plans. <laughs> At the time, I will plant a crop of Israelites and raise them for myself. I will show love to those I called not loved. And to those I called, not my people, I will say, now you are my people. And they will reply, you are our God. <laughs> Nicely done. I uh, kind of know why I wanted to have the little ones out of the room for all that. Could you imagine being Hosea? He's having to reenact and live out this whole play. Of course, it was real for him, his real wife, his real children, and real pain. You know, Hosea must have been shocked when she left. She left him with three children, 
to fend uh, for himself with them, being a single parent. Some of you know what that's like to be a single parent. But in addition to that, uh, Hosea had to deal with the, uh, the brokenness of his own heart and the grief over the loss of this relationship with his wife, Gomer. It must have been a shock to Hosea's heart. What was he supposed to do in that situation? She chose to leave. She chose to hang around with those other men and have children by them. And she chose to leave those children in Hosea's care. What could he say to Gomer or do for her that he had not already said repeatedly? And so outpours this grief, this anger. You can understand the anger, can't you? You've been cheated on. You've been left as a single parent. And you're faced with watching your spouse in the same city that you live in live with other men. Not just one, but many. Verse 2 of the passage says, But now bring charges against Israel, your mother. Let's remember that God is talking not only about Hosea and Gomer, but himself and the people of Israel. Let's bring charges against the people of Israel because they are behaving in the same way that Gomer is. God loves them and wants to care for them. But his bride, the people of Israel, Gomer, have gone off and cavorted with other gods, adulterous relationships, given themselves over to them, even though God is a giving God. For she is no longer my wife and I am no longer her husband. I can feel the anguish come out. If any one of you have ever been in a situation where someone has cheated on you, you understand the pain and the anger. I know some of you know this pain. I pray that God, pray to God that it would never happen to you. But some of you know what God must be feeling when he sees us wander off and spend time with other gods, whether that's people that we place in front of God or money that we place above God or our work that we place above God or even just the fact that we walked away from him and left him behind somewhere and just gone off and lived our life without even thinking about him. At first, I wonder if God's angry it's a bit dangerous for us to, uh, to make a comparison, a direct comparison between how we get angry or grieved and how God gets angry or grieved, right? Because we got all kinds of sin going on in our life, but God doesn't. He's the creator of the universe. But I think there is something that we need to recognize when we wander off, that God is jealous. He's a jealous God. He says, wait, wait a minute, don't do that. How could you do that to me? How could you wander away from such love and compassion and mercy and kindness? How could you just walk away? Why would you do something that might lead to your own destruction? What does that say to us about how God grieves? You know, we know that the Bible says that God weeps for his people because he wants them back. And as a lover who's in a relationship looks at their spouse and says, I love you unconditionally. I love you as best as I can. God says he can love you unconditionally. He can love you despite all of the things that you've done in your life. And yet he grieves and now God grieves because the people have forsaken him. They've kind of walked away. 
What would you do in a situation like this if you were Hosea? If it were you or I, we might just give up. You know what? We just give up on the relationship. But guess what? God doesn't give up. God doesn't walk away from that kind of relationship. He does not give up. He works to turn your sorrow into joy so that you might see and feel and experience the triumph of his love. The first thing that God does is he puts thorn bushes in the way of this woman, Gomer. God's love doesn't end here, right? God could, you know, we would expect that in our humanness, we would walk away from this relationship, say, I'm done with it, but God doesn't. What he does is he puts thorn bushes in the way of Gomer. And, and this is an, an, an old image of a fence. Thorn bushes were used in the desert to hem in the sheep in, at night and to keep them safe from the prowling uh, wolves and lions that were outside the fence. And so what God does is he hems in Gomer. He puts a fence kind of to keep her from the worst. Can you imagine that? That God's love is so strong for her that even though she's walked away and doing what she's doing, he still fences her and keeps her from the worst of the worst. But it's also a disciplining love. He's saying, you know what, you, you, I'm going to protect you from some things that are out there, but I need to discipline you. I need to do something that's going to get your attention. And he begins to withhold some things from Gomer. He begins to withhold some of the blessings that are happening in her life. Verse 6, for this reason, I will fence her in with, my, with thorn bushes. I will block her path with a wall to make her lose her way. And when she runs after her lovers, she won't be able to catch them. And when she will search for them, but she won't find them, then she will think, I might as well return to my husband for I was better off with him than I am now. If we think that we can take the talents that God has given us and the blessings that God has given us and run away with them, run away from him, and not have some consequences in our life, I think we're sadly mistaken. You see, at first, God comes gently to us. He comes gently to us, and he tries to remind us, he tries to woo us back. I think Hosea must have heard from God. If you look at verse 8, I put it up on the screen. She doesn't realize it was I who gave her everything that she has. The grain, the new wine, the olive oil. I even gave her silver and gold, but she gave all my gifts to Baal. I want you to imagine this for a moment. Hosea, yes, Lord. I want you to go to the marketplace. I want you to buy what she needs because she can't take care of herself. I want you to buy what she needs and to give her the money that she needs because the man that she's living with cannot provide for her. Hi, it's Hosea, her husband. What do you want? I, I don't want to cause any trouble. I just want you to give this to her because I know that you can't take care of her. And so he hands over to whatever person comes to the door and God 
In the same way, when we walk away from him, when we step away, he doesn't fully withdraw all of his blessings right away. Can you, can you remember a time when that happened to you? Because I think we can all say with some degree of certainty that we have all walked away from God at some point. And, and he didn't abandon us completely. He, he still let his blessings flow with us for a time. But he reminds us, he said, don't forget, I'm the one who gave you all of the blessings that you have. I'm the one who walked with you through your darkest hour, but you seem to be rejecting my love. You seem to be rejecting the fact that I've done this for you in your life. I don't know how many times I've struggled personally. When I do one thing wrong in a situation, people walk away from my relationship with them and all of the things that I've done right don't matter. I really struggle with that. I struggle because I've done something wrong and I've hurt someone. But I struggle because all of the things that were good and wonderful all of a sudden have no meaning anymore. And when we are like Gomer and we walk away from God, one thing can turn us in the direction that we shouldn't go and it leads us down a path where we forget all the blessings that God has given and all the wonderful things that he continues to give. Could you imagine what Hosea had to go through in order to step in front of that door and hand over those things that he knew that this man would probably never give to her anyway? Is that the way God acts? Is that the way that God behaves? Does he love like that? Yes. Everything in the Bible speaks of that. The Bible talks about it over and over again, where God wants us to uh, step into our relationship with him. And he loves us even though we walk away and want to come back. He steps in front of us when we are far from him and says, I love you. Don't forget this. I still want to provide for you and take care of you. God wants to provide for us even when we run away. And the entire Bible is the story of God welcoming us back again. Think about the prodigal son. The prodigal son takes two-thirds of his father's wealth, runs off, squanders it all, and yet the father is still standing in the road, looking under the horizon, waiting for the son to return. That's another image of God and us. God stands waiting with open arms. Have you ever run away from God? Of course you have. We all have. Every one of us. And he's, and has he not taken you back? You see, we have to be reminded one time and again and again that God stands with open arms waiting for you to come back to him. But then God starts to say, okay, if, if wooing you back, if reminding you of the blessings is not enough and you still refuse to turn, then it's time to show you the lack of your necessities. It's time to withdraw some of the blessings. He gives us time, he gives us lots of time to turn it around and bring back to him. He woos us back, he tries to bring us back with 
new ways of courtship, of, of trying to spend time. And, and even after all of those rejections, finally God says, okay, it's time to withdraw some of these things. Verse 9. But now I will take back the ripened grain and the new wine I generously provided each harvest season. I will take away the wool and linen and clothing I gave her to cover her nakedness. And then God goes on to say that he's going to, uh, he's going to uh, put an end to her festivals. He's going to destroy the grapevines and figs. Uh, he will turn them into tangled thickets. And she is going to be punished for all those times that she's taken God's blessings and given it to Baal, which is an idol that was worshipped in the day of Hosea. I don't know if you've ever found yourself in this place. Far from God. That God's blessings have been withdrawn from you. That you've been thinking that if only I could get to this place and yet God keeps it from your reach. You've walked away from God. You knew Jesus. You know him. But yet you've walked away from him. And God finally says, I'm going to withdraw my blessings from you. What are God's blessings? His protection. His provision. And his care. That's what the word bless means. To provide protection, provision, and care. You are his bride. But after a time, God starts to cut away some of the blessings. And you know, at this point, we, we might expect that God would just kind of say, okay, well, if you're going to continue on that way, then fine. Have it your way, and we'll be done with you, right? I mean, it would be legitimate after several years. Now, this is Hosea and, and Gomer's life, right? There are years involved in this whole drama, these children are born. There's three children born into this relationship. One when they're together, two when they're not. And yet there's now time after the third child. So there's years of reconciliation that Hosea has tried to do. There's years of him providing for her when she had nothing to provide for herself. Even in his shame, even in his, um, in his guilt or anger or resentment, all of that has been lengthened out for years. And finally, God says to Hosea, okay, it's time to stop bringing those gifts to her. She needs to feel the consequences of her behavior. And it would be reasonable after all that time, wouldn't it, to just walk away? But that's not what God does. That's not what, that's not something that we might do. But that's not what God does. In verse 4, uh, verse 4, uh, 14, it says, but then I will win her back once again. I will win her back once again. It's the only time in the Bible where this word, win her back, or allure is the original word, to woo someone, to enter into a courtship, to, to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to win over her feelings and her emotions. I'm going to win over her situation. I'm going to work at winning her back. To a relationship. It's the only time that this word is used between God and his people. It's when someone has wandered off and wandered far away like the prodigal son, like Gomer who's gone so far and so distant from Hosea. And yet God says to Hosea, I want you to behave just like I do and win her back. How does God win us back? 
Well, God wins us back by showing us his grace and power. You know, it's no good to go to someone in Gomer's situation and and slam them over the head with the truth, right? You're sinning. You're a sinful human being. You're disgusting. God is angry with you. All of those things are just going to drive her further away. What is it that's going to draw her in? What would draw you in? It would be grace. What is grace? God's undeserving love and favor upon you. It would be Hosea stepping into that relationship and saying, I don't care what you've done in the past. I love you. I want you back. I'm willing to forgive all that has gone before. Could you just wrap your head around all of that sin that he would have to forgive? All of the anger and resentment that he would have to go through in order to win her back? God looks at each and every one of us and says, each and every one of you, My grace is sufficient for you. All you have to do is turn back to me. Give your life back over to this relationship with my son, Jesus Christ. All will be forgiven. And I will love you as I first loved you. Unconditionally. See, that's that's magnetic power. The grace of God in your life has to be so magnetic because it looks deep into the dark spaces of your soul and you recognize that love overcomes all of those things. That we are called to be a people of God to love each other in the same manner. Could you imagine loving someone in this room that much? That you look deep into the darkest spaces of their soul And if they shared that with you, if they were willing and courageous enough to share all that they've been thinking and feeling, and you walked away from that relationship going, that person, that person loves me. You imagine sharing the deepest things in your heart? I mean, I think about it with my spouse. I think about it with my wife. And that kind of love says, I love you in spite of it all. Then God wins us back with the power of his word. Sometimes the Bible just pops up into people's lives when they're far from him. A reminder happens. Someone's been praying. Someone's been praying for you. I've been praying for you. This person comes up to you, and if you're lost and you're on the wayward path, they come up to you and say, I've been praying that God would be present with you, that the power of the word of God would speak to you. God uses his word to win us back. And God sometimes uses his awesome presence to win us back. For those of you who were not at the worship night last night, I got to tell you, it was overwhelming to me the power of the Spirit of God that was evident there. It was amazing. We had an incredible time of worship together. But more than that, I felt the power of community, the power of the love for each other in that room despite our differences. And it was so moving to me that the presence of God drew me deeply into a moment with God. And that's what God can do for those who are far from him or who are wandering or are thinking about whether or not God even exists. There are moments when God uses the power of his presence to win us back. And then God leads her into the desert. 
the rest of verse 14. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her there. I will return her vineyards to her and transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. She will give herself to me there as she did long ago when she was young, when I freed her from the captivity in Egypt. These two stories are blending in and out, right? Hosea and Gomer, God and his people. And he says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna win her back. And when I do, I'm gonna take her into the desert. How wonderful does that sound? Uh, not quite what I had imagined. We think of a whirlwind, romance, right? You know, things are wonderful, lovey, dovey, ooey, gooey, all of that. And God says, no, no, I'm going to take you into a desert. You see, in the Bible, the desert is often a place where someone's character is formed. When God tests us, where he gives us an opportunity to actually live the things that we say we believe in. And if you're on the journey back and you turn back to God, what is God gonna do? God is gonna take you to a place where you can live out or into a time or be with a person or go to a group of people where you can actually live out what you say you believe. Because this is the place where your faith is tested, whether or not it's really true. Could you imagine Hosea and Gomer getting back together? Do you think that there would be sparks right away? That there would be this romantic love story that would immediately happen? No, of course not. It would be, it would be tense. It would be difficult and awkward. There would be months, if not years, of, of trying to work it out, of trying to get it back together. And us in our humanness, we've got to deal with our own sin. But God's relationship with us is God's firm and solid. And he says, I love you unconditionally. I love you. And Gomer is like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know what this looks like anymore. I want to make this work, but I but there's so much wrong with me and my person and who I am right now that I, I can't do it all at once. And God, you need to do something in my life, in my heart, a little bit at a time to change me from who I was to who I can be. Can any of you identify with that? That God uses the dark places to bring you to a place where you recognize, you know what, I got screwed up. There's stuff in my life that I've got to deal with and I can't let it keep me from a relationship with God any longer. Because there, in that place, it was dark. And it was lo- I was lost. And finally I was found. God wooed me back. He fought for me. He chased after me. He loved me unconditionally. And sometimes God intentionally brings us into a wilderness so that you can go through the process of becoming the person that God wants you to be. You know, it's a place where we let go of our pride, our self-control, where our ears and our hearts can actually become tuned to listening to God again. And verse 16 says this, or sorry, verse 18, uh, 19, verse 19. I will make you my wife forever, showing you righteousness and justice, unfailing love and compassion. And I will be faithful to you and make you mine and you will finally know me as the Lord. This is the God speaking to us. I'm gonna make you mine again. Even all after all that you've done, you are still the one I love. You are the one that's going to call me husband, not Master. 
husband is an act of the will, and it's an act that I choose. God, you are my husband. I know that's weird to say as a man, but that's the image, right? That you are the one that I give myself to. I'm not doing it because you make me. That's a slave. I'm doing it because I want to. See, when you love someone, you're vulnerable, right? Have you ever been in that situation where you're vulnerable in a relationship where they do something that will intentionally hurt you? A lot of you know that pain. But in order to truly love someone, you've got to be vulnerable. You've got to allow that person the capacity to hurt you. And when you get hurt, love brings both anger and heartbreak. It's hard to describe unless you've experienced it. Maybe for those of you who are parents, you, you, you look at this child and, and you love them unconditionally. You, you think about yourself, you think to yourself, my goodness, I would do anything for this child. And then they turn around and hurt you. That day when your child becomes a teenager and says, I hate you. Oh, it's like somebody gripped your heart and squeezed. Maybe you're someone whose soul was crushed when someone cheated on you. To love means to be vulnerable. Can you, can you sense the enormity of God's love for you? Can you sense the, 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 the powerful grace of God when we come back to him and say, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. I, I did it again. Lord, I, I'm trying not to. And, I, and then I did. And I, but Lord, make me into the person that you want me to be. Strip away all that I am inside that, that keeps wanting to do this and go down that road. See, no one ever deserves God's love. It's free. It's a gift. Verse 21, in that day I will answer, says the Lord, I will answer the sky as it pleads for clouds and the sky will answer with earth, uh, answer the earth with rain. And then the earth will answer the thirsty cries of the grain and the grapevines and the olive trees and they will turn and answer Jezreel, God plants. At that time I will plant a crop of Israelites and raise them for myself. Listen to this last couple of verses here. This is so powerful. I will show love to those I called not loved. And to those I called not my people, I will say, now you are my people. And they will reply, you are our God. God loves you so much that he constantly seeks after you. When you're close to him, he says, I want you closer. I want you to know the fullness of my love for you. When you begin to drift, he wants to woo us back and he lets the blessings remain in your life and, and reminds you that he's still there and he loves you. And when you walk away long enough, he begins to try and remind you that the blessings come with this relationship and eventually there's pain associated with walking away for far too long. But never, ever, ever does God close his arms, turn his back and walk away. God stands with open arms and says, I love you. He sent his son, Jesus, for that very reason. His love was so great that he was willing to give his one and only son for us. Who knew 
that we would betray him? Who knew that we would crucify him? He knew that his own friends would walk away from him in his darkest hour. The betrayal that you might have experienced in your own life is the betrayal that he feels when we walk away from him. Is there an area of your, is an, is there an area of your life where you feel broken? Do you feel discouraged? You just don't feel good? You just, what I want you to do, I just want you to commit those, those areas to God. Let a desert of character development be part of your journey back to him. And let God make you into the person that he wants you to be. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love and for your mercy. Thank you, God, that you never walk away. That when we do things that just, that put other things first, you're still there. For each one of us today, God, we can all come to you in this moment and say, God, we've, we've not done all that we can to love you back the way that you love us. Would you forgive us and welcome us into fellowship with you? In Jesus' name, amen.